Hey everybody, welcome to Chillin' with Kofi, episode 6. We got a great guest for you today. We're going to learn a lot about traveling. I'm so excited about this because I'm not really I'm not really an expert on this, but we do have an expert here. She's a reporter for The Points Guy. It is Vicky Walker. How are you doing today? What is up, Kofi? It's good seeing you. Haven't seen you in a year. Yeah. That's, that is true. Missed you, buddy. Yeah. So before we get this podcast underway, I like to have our guests start off with where they can be found on the internet, so that people can follow along. I am on all of the things. Um, I am on the Twitter at Vicky, V I K K I E. I'm on Instagram at Vicky, V I K K I E, not V I C K Y. Um, and you can. Found all of my work on the points guy um and on our instagram uh live series every uh friday called as far as i know growing up what got you interested in traveling is there one thing that got you like kind of hooked or was there just like gradual? it was a combination of things so we grew up traveling we did a lot of road trips growing up so yeah you know, i grew up in virginia so we would drive from virginia to like florida so we did disney world a bunch of times we did san antonio we did uh tennessee a bunch of times um and then we did two really big road trips from virginia to um las vegas one year and then um san wow. francisco another year it was three days and so that got me interested in traveling like nobody in my family flies so I never, I'd never been on an airplane before I was 21. And, um, you know, we used to, we used to, I mean, we had like very humble travels. Like, you know, we would, you know, road tripping is very humble. So, you know, we would stay at like, you know, the Motel 6 and like Flagstaff, Arizona or something like that. Um, and it would be, you know, just all 12 of us packed in like a 14 passenger van with like all of our stuff and like, you know, kids and, the whole you know, crew. Whole crew. Um, and so when I got a little older and I started really traveling, you know, I realized road tripping is really not for me. And it's not. <laughs> like when you do it that much as a kid, for me, it just, you know, it's not something I really want to do as an adult. Um, so I was really, I really wanted to get out of the US. I wanted to um, kind of, because, you know, we did a lot of like budget traveling. And so when I became an adult, um, and I got a little bit of money. I said, you know, I wanted to travel kind of like my way, which is not necessarily luxury travel, um, but very comfortable travel. Like I'm very big on hotels. I don't really yeah. care about like the flight that much, but I'm very big on hotels. So my hotel stay has to be a really nice day. Um, and so when I got a little older, that's when I started looking up like how to travel cheaply, how to find cheap flights, how to find cheap, nice hotels. And that's what really took me from, you know, when I was an undergrad, I got a lot of my trips paid for um, because I was doing stuff for school. And, you know, when you graduate, then you have to like, you know, start paying for your own trips. And I'm like, OK, I, yeah. I still want to do this, but I want to do this cheaply still. So, you know, we were able to find cheap flights to South Africa. I went with my homeboy, Glenn, my homeboy, Freedom. I did a big tour of like Southeast Asia. So we did Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, we did Bali, Singapore for 18 hours, did Thailand. Um, I've been to Haiti, um, did Cuba, um, did a big like Europe trip um, in 2018 and yeah, 2017 and 2018. I'm missing something. 
I'm I'm definitely like too many too many trips, man. It's hard yeah, to... <laughs> I'm at like 25. I'm at I think 25 countries. Yeah, um, and I don't really count them. I'm not like somebody who's like, oh, you know, I, I want to like hit every country in the world. Like I don't, I don't have to. Um, but you know, it, it's been a really like fun experience. You know, notwithstanding COVID. Um, but it's been a really fun experience to like really be out in the world and like experience the world. Like, you know, we traveled a lot, but you know, we like, we were like poor. So like, you know, a lot of like the, you know, high end amenities to traveling were like not in our reach. And so again, when I grew up and I, you know, had a little bit of, a little bit of bread, you know, I definitely said, you know, I really wanted to have like very nice experiences when I travel. Um, and so that's kind of what happened. And that's the fascinating thing about the world is that I don't think you can run out of places technically. No, you really can't. Like, and there's been places I've been to that I'm like, I want to go to again. Like, you know, some people are like, I only want to go to one. I want to go to a place one time. No, like I've been to Paris twice. Um, I've been to Mexico now four times in my life. Whenever COVID is over, I plan to spend like three months in Mexico City because it's my favorite city on earth. Like I I would like if there was an opportunity to like pack up and move to Mexico City, I would be there tomorrow. Like that's wow. how much I love Mexico City. It's the best city on earth. Um, but yeah, like that's really kind of how it started. Um, and you know, I was able to travel for fun. Like for me, it was always, it was never really like a ne- never something I really took very seriously not like I just wanted to have these experiences like for me it was like I wasn't I'm not jaded about travel even now even it being my full-time job it's not something that I'm jaded about um I was like I just want to have these experiences like I'm young I don't have any real responsibilities other than rent and my dog and so like I just I'm just like well why not when else am I going to be able to like you know just get on a plane and like travel the world yeah, that's crazy. I have a short list, and I think it's it's Tokyo. Tokyo was amazing. It's Tokyo, and then Tokyo, South Africa. I've been to Ghana, the Amsterdam airport, and I think it's Qatar. Is it pronounced Qatar or Qatar? Qatar. Qatar. Well, okay. It depends on who you're talking to. Okay, okay. So I've been to Qatar, and that was a great three-day experience. But those are the only countries I've ever really been to. And I feel like as a kid, we didn't really travel. We didn't vacation out of country. Yeah. Whenever we did take road trips, we would go visit family. You know, yeah. North Carolina, we go to South Carolina. We'd stop at <laughs> South of the Border. Yeah. I think South of the Border. For those of you that don't, for those of you listening that don't know what South of the Border is, South of the Border is <laughs> like a, <laughs> a big... A big rest stop slash market that's on the border of North and South Carolina. And I forgot about South of the Border. (laughs) And I forget. South of the Border so many times. Right. And it depends on what highway you're driving, but there are like 300 miles of billboard advertising. So every mile you go, it's like you're 95 miles away from South of the Border. You're 90 miles away from South of the Border. So as a kid, I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And so we'd stop there. There was an arcade. There was um, there was a fireworks display. 
or no, a fireworks store on the other side because South Carolina's fireworks laws yeah. are different yeah. than North Carolina's North fireworks laws. <laughs> that's where people would go. That's where like people would go and like buy uh, fireworks. Yeah, there were so yeah. many like regulations around them. And South Carolina border for. Yeah, for for getting your <laughs> for smuggling <laughs> fireworks, <laughs> smuggling fireworks across the border. Yeah, and there was also what like an amuse a little amusement park. Yeah, that I've never like seen work. Yeah, I've never seen it work. Yeah, so I remember one time I was we were driving by and I had like grown up and I was like oh south of the border I saw it and I was like oh my god this is what I was what I was so excited about as a kid you know it's just like oh man <laughs> <laughs> and other places I think we go to we go visit people in New York but that was more like flight thing. And my yeah. mom, my mom travels a lot more than I do because she she'd be going to conferences all the time, like everywhere, you know. <laughs> and the only time I really travel is like yearly is like wherever NABJ is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that because that's that's usually on the company. So. Uh, <laughs> usually on the company, love company travel, love yeah. travel to pay for. So, what is the first thing you usually do when you? end up traveling in a new country is there like a new like a routine you always kind of like get with it's like i i kind of do my travel a little bit differently so i break up my days however long i have in a country it's typically around four to five days i I don't stay in a country too long okay so i have one day where i'm a complete tourist like i and i'm talking like big bus tours like you know like the yeah. set not a segue but like set, you know all the corny stuff that you're supposed to do <laughs> when you go to a place. like um i'm trying to think everything on the brochure everything on the brochure like you go to like the you know the the, the, the tourism office and you get the big brochure and, you know. <laughs> what do y'all do here <laughs> literally what do you do here so i do all of that i do all of like the tourists like food stops and yeah. like i did um when I went to Rome, I did like all the like, you know, touristy like pasta spots and, you know, all the like touristy wine spots. Um, and then I have a day where I spend direct like only on food and drinks. So like wow. pretty much eating my way around a city, you know, obviously the nice spots, but like the hole in the wall spots. I always try and find like also try and find black people anywhere I go. So mm-hmm. I always try and find like um, I went to a Nigerian spot in Mexico City, which was really good. Um, but yeah, I try and, you know, always find like, you know, a black owned spot wherever I go to. Also, no matter where you go, there's always a black owned spot. There's always at least one. Always. At least one. OK, that's good always to know. At least one. Always. So I like I said, I eat and drink my way around a city. Um, I remember I did that on Christmas morning um, in Rome. I walked around like as much as I could walk around that day, like, and just, you know, stopped in like little places and like grabbing food, stopping to eat, stopping to drink, you know, stopping for like snacks and like sweets and stuff. And then I have one day, um, and this is also why hotels are very big and, you know, important to me. I'm have one day where I just lays around in the room. And this is why very big on hotels because I really want my hotel stay to be nice. So I'll get like, a lot of my hotel stays are with Hyatt um, because I have status with Hyatt. Um, so okay. I'll go to a Hyatt hotel, get upgraded, get a nice room, get a room where um, I have like a soaking tub and like views. Like I, when I went to Puerto Rico in 2019, 
Um, I got upgraded to a really nice room, had a nice soaking tub, views of the beach. And so I spent one day like just in the room, you know, with a robe on, drinking wine, drinking mimosas, just reading, sleeping, resting. Because that's another thing. It's like for me, vacation is also like, I want to rest. You know, obviously still do everything I want to do, see everything I want to see. But I also, I don't want to come back exhausted. (laughs) Right. It's like, then you got to go straight back to work. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you had a great time. But I want to come back feeling, you know, like my shoulders relaxed and like, you know, like just really relaxed. So I have a day where I just don't leave the room and I'm just like relaxed. And then I have, you know, whatever other time I have, like I'm just exploring. I I have a loose itinerary of things I want to do and see. I I try and stick to it, but it's not firm. Um, I also take public transit wherever I go. Um, Okay. That (laughs) it's a little easier if you speak the language. Like I figured out the London tube fairly easily. Rome's subway system was not that difficult. Paris's was a nightmare. Um, I gave up on Mexico City only because I couldn't figure out how to like um, get like a like a you needed like a coin or like a ticket to like buy a ticket for the subway. So I gave up and the Uber was like $3 everywhere in Mexico city, Tokyo, (laughs) Tokyo was really difficult and nobody spoke English. Um, and I like, I had service in Tokyo, but it was like 3g. So it was really slow. So I was like trying to translate to people like where I was trying to go. And it was great because like, you know, nobody spoke a lick of English. I didn't speak a lick of Japanese. But when I say people were so helpful and people were legit, they really wanted to help me (laughs) get to where I was trying to go. And like, I, like he would like, there was this, there was this guy, like I was pointing on the map, like where I, where I wanted to go. Cause like I said, like my Japanese is bad. Um, and like, he, like, Again, he didn't speak a lick of English and he just like kept pointing and he just kept pointing. And then like I was walking, I was like, right here, right? And he was like, Yeah, yeah. And then I like turned left. He was like, no, 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 no. That way. <laughs> um, and I ended up like I ended up where I needed to go. Um, so like I said, you, I enjoy taking public transit. Um, I've said this before, but you really learn about a city when you take its public transit. And you know, it, it's it's really fun. Um, also, people, I will say like everywhere I've been, um, people have been very helpful, even if there is that language barrier to like, you know, trying to help, help you get to where you need to go. You know, I still get lost. I get lost anywhere I am, but you know, it's part of the experience. So you don't have phone service whenever you travel. So you do. That's why I have T-Mobile. Oh, okay. All right. So I have had self been to except Cuba for the obvious reasons. Um, some places are better than others. Like when I went to Mexico City, I had like 4G. Oh, when okay. I went to Tokyo, I had like 3G. Ecuador, 4G. Like it just depends on where you are. Um, but that's why I have T-Mobile. I have cell service everywhere. So that's a different, um, is that like a different, like, is that like a worldwide plan that you have to get? Yeah. So it's like okay. my plan includes international data. Is like 20 uh, cents a minute. Um, um, internet is free and texting is free. So, I mean, I keep my calls short. I don't really talk on the phone anyway. FaceTime is free like that. FaceTime okay, audio yeah. is free. Yeah, that's why I really have like T-Mobile. That's why I've had T-Mobile <laughs> for like 12 years now. Damn. I don't know anybody with T-Mobile still. 
I be seeing the uh the T-Mobile uh promoted tweets on Twitter. And I'm just like, who who has T-Mobile? And it's like, Vicky who, has and I'm telling you, people feel and and it's my <laughs> my plan is like seventy dollars a month for like international, like for like my wow, regular data good. and international data. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so I mean, you can't really beat that. And that's then you solid, know, yeah. like I'll go places with friends and they have no service. So it's just me, right? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm te- I, like, cause that's what I've been places and people are like, how are you texting back so quickly? I'm like, I have service. <laughs> like I'm, I have service. Wow. What about um, like exchange rates and currency? Is there always like- I a... always, I rarely, rarely bring cash. Rarely. Yeah. Like I just use my cards. Cuba, I bet. So I had to get cash out in the US before. Um, but generally- I always, I mean, a lot of places don't ex- ex- accept American Express cards. Um, so that's a little difficult. So I always take a Visa card. Um, I have not had a lot of issues with like only being, you know, card only. As a general rule, even in the U.S., I don't really carry cash like that. So it has, I haven't had a lot of issues. I did, I will say Mexico, Mexico City. <laughs> I had um I had like a tour in um like outside of the city at one of like the ruins and um there was this 5k race or something like that and um I I like I was like 20 minutes late so I had the hotel's driver drive me to like the pickup point I thought I thought it was like I could just like pay with my card and he was like it's cash only. So I went to like their like 7-Eleven and they're like, you can't get cash here. And then I went like four other places before I could find a place that had cash. So yeah, I will say don't be like me and don't bring no cash. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in 2017, you started Vicky Ventures a blog designed to share travel experiences and tips for helping people of color. You've covered everything from DC brunches to points and travel. What made you decide to start this blog in general? Like where were you career wise and what was your headspace? It it was a mix of things. I was giving a lot of like free game on Twitter. I was giving like a lot of travel tips on Twitter, but I didn't have a platform for it. Yeah. And so it got to the point where everybody kept telling me like, hey, Vicky, you need a blog. And I was just like, mm, no, nah, like, because for me, I at the time I was thinking blog meant like, you know, taking it like really seriously. And, you know, I was like, at first yeah. I was like, okay, with like, you know, just doing these like Twitter, finding like mistakes, stuff like that. Um, And then like when I say everyone kept telling me, Vicky, you should have a blog. And I was like, no, nah. everyone said the same thing. And then I, career-wise, I was in a place where I was not happy in my, like, full-time job. And so the blog became not therapy, per se, but, like, something that was very fun and mindless and didn't require a lot out of me. It was something that broke up, like, the monotony of my work day and work week and also just kind of, like, the miserableness that I felt, like, at that job. And so like the blog, I mean, I was doing like, like I said, you know, posts about like where to brunch in DC. And these, these were stories that like people were actually reading, you know, and this thing yeah. is like when I wrote the blog, the blog initially was for like my friends 
Right. You know, if other people were reading it, great. But it was really for like, you know, partly, you know, so my friends were like, shut up about the fact that, you know, I didn't have a blog, but like really just for like, you know, my friends and like, you know, the few followers that I had in the travel space um, to like keep up with like, you know, what I was working on and, you know, stuff that I was doing. And then, you know, like the the, the DC brunches post was actually kind of like the the kickoff because it kept like, this, I didn't know anything about much about SEO at the time, but you know, the SEO yeah. on it was crazy. Um, and it still get like, you know, pre COVID, it was still getting referenced. And I think I posted that in like 2017, it was still getting referenced about like, Oh, I read this, this post on like some girl's blog. Um, and I still see it referenced like on social. And so yeah. I started, you know, thinking a bit more carefully about, you know, my posts and doing some sort of, you know, some analysis, some, you know, just kind of riffing on what I was seeing in terms of the travel space online. Then I started pivoting to not pivoting, but I started sending out like a newsletter every two weeks or so um, with flight deals. Um, yeah. And that's really the kind of space that I found myself in when I got into the blog for like trying to help people find these very cheap flights. Like all the like cheap flights that I was finding, I wanted to like help people find theirs. And so all of the flights were like under $700. So, and they were all international flights. Oh, wow. Um, so like, you know, I would find $400 to South Africa or $600 to Qatar. Or like I used to do, we, like, I would find like, you know, $175 flights to London and, you know, Cancun. And I will say that was like the most positive response that I got from people because everybody was like, yo, I don't care how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Everybody wants a cheap flight. Nobody wants to pay bread for flights. And so like, I would get so many like great emails from people. And again, like I kind of sort of kept up with like, you know, the click rates and like where people were like, who was clicking on them, how many people were clicking on them. But I didn't really care. But people kept emailing me and saying like, hey, like I just booked a flight for my mom who's never been out of the country and we're going to like Mozambique. And I was like, yo, like people actually read this. Like, that's nice. How nice. I think it's cool the fact that for the coming to the SEO thing, it's that people, whenever people, I guess, land in a new city, sometimes people are unprepared when they travel. Yeah. So when they are, so when people do travel to DC, like you have a lot of tourists being like, oh, where should I go for brunch? Where should I, right. you know, and that, that's and where I didn't even realize I was doing, again, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Like that's that. And that's the thing is like, I, I, I think the success of the blog happened organically because I didn't take the blog that seriously. Obviously, you know, I still want to like put out good content and, right. you know, it still wants to be accurate, still want to have all these things. But I didn't take myself, I didn't take myself seriously because it was like, you know, something I, I like to do, something I love. And I want to see more people who look like me doing it and also not paying X amount of dollars for it. Um, and so like, that's a, that's how I stumbled into like SEO. I was like, I had no clue. Yeah. And your, and your blog wasn't, and your blog wasn't a social media play. No. Um, for those of you, for those of you listening, a social media play is it's not really an official term, but it's kind of something that in the industry where you make an article in hoping that like social media will like take right. care of the rest. Like an example in sports is 
you see all those articles about when the Super Bowl is because people know that they are searching for when the Super right. Bowl actually starts. Yeah, I, like say, I didn't care. I number one, it's like number one, I didn't care about that stuff. Number two, I had no clue right. <laughs> about these like social media plays. So the fact that stuff was like getting picked up was like naturally, not because I like had any frame. Of, like when I say I literally just opened my laptop, I did have like a so when I started the blog, I had, um, I kept everything in like my, uh, notes app and I had like ideas of things that I wanted to talk about, like things I knew I wanted to talk about how to find mistake fairs. Like that's what I did. I I think my second post was like, you know, my like travel playlist and, you know, just very like, you know, kind of general topics. But when I say none of this came about because I was like looking for like, you know, it to like go viral on Twitter like, I didn't even really think, you know, as somebody with, I think at the time I had maybe like 6,000 followers on Twitter. Like, yeah, none of that was going viral. Like, I did have one piece that went viral. It was um, about like travel shaming. But even that wasn't like on purpose. Like, it was just like, yo, stop travel shaming. Travel like, shaming? Like what? Yeah. Well, so it's tra- so travel shaming the term is different now during COVID than it was pre-COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so to guess, is travel shaming before COVID being like, oh, you never been nowhere? You ain't never been nowhere. All you people go to Miami. And all you people, ah, like, okay. and it, it was very gross, but it was also very, like, crouched in language that was to target, like, Black people, middle-class Black people who had yeah. never traveled anywhere before so it was like well you're not a real traveler if you only go to Miami or Cancun or the Dominican Republic and I was like I don't why are you counting people's wallets right why do you and number one why are you people's wallets number two why do you care yeah like because that's the thing it's like well people are like well you're not a real traveler if you haven't been to here and there. my thing is like yo if you stepped outside of your door and you decided like okay like let's say I live in New York in New York City if you stepped outside of your door and said, you know, today I want to explore Newark, you know what? You are a traveler. <laughs> <laughs> you are a traveler. That's like an hour. That's an hour and a half. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like you can you can spend your or you spend the entire weekend in your own city and like explore, and that makes you a traveler. Like travel is defined by however you want to define it as. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's like you know, like. It, the, the language at the time was very gross. And again, the, the term travel shaming has switched, especially in like this space right. during COVID. But pre-COVID, it was very much like, well, you know, all these Black people like, and again, it was also like Black folks saying this, by the way. So it was yeah. like, you know, Black folks saying like, well, you know, like you only go to like Miami or like Myrtle Beach. Uh, that's a little like corny. Like, I don't care. I don't care. Right. Like, I, I really don't care. Mind your business. Mind your wallet. I think an interesting thing also is that in for New York, especially, is that a lot of people think that, like, since New York, is, New York City is like everything's close together distance wise, that it's not those aren't trips. Like if I'm right. in Brooklyn and I go to Harlem, like that's an hour. That's a 90 minute trip. That's a trip. That's a day. On the train, but on, on, let's say on the weekend, on the weekend between Brooklyn and like upper upper harlem right. is about the same amount of time as flying from dc to new, from dc to new york exactly. it's about the same trip if i decide to go to harlem that is a trip because i yeah. have literally rearranged my entire day i have i have 
like decided that I'm going to be in Harlem that day. <laughs> like, right. so and it's like, yo, like that's, a, that's traveling, like, and vice versa. If somebody who's, you know, from, you know, coming from like 185th, <laughs> like <laughs> Crown Heights, God bless them. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, that's a trip. It is. But I don't know. I think it's because like, again, it's as somebody who's like, it's, it's not that deep to me. Right. Also, you can hear me go in the back. Me go. Uh, yeah, he wants some attention. Ugh. This is my favorite dog, by the way, listeners. It's so annoying. <laughs> so Davidson Walker, the pug. His birthday's coming up. What you getting him for his birthday? What does he want? I don't know. All right, I'll I'll, I'll think about Peanut it. Butter. Peanut butter. So you went from working in journalism to teaching at Howard University, and then back to working for the points guy yeah how was the teaching experience for you it was great it was yeah. honest it was honestly it is it, it, it's to be completely honest it is a big change from like going from a newsroom so yeah. like being in a newsroom you have like daily news you have you know all of that to going into and also there's this expectation that everybody in the newsroom is knowledgeable about like the job that they're doing and teaching right. you're teaching people to do that job um and so like there is a certain level of care and um patience that you have to have with students um when you're teaching journalism as opposed to doing journalism but i still framed my classes and anybody who had me as a professor will attest to this i still framed especially my reporting students um, still frame the class very much like a newsroom. So like I had daily news quizzes. Like I, oh. yeah, yeah, I was, oh. I, was, I, was, I, was I was, I was one of them. Daily news oh, quizzes, no. AP style quizzes. I mean, yeah, it's for the best. I took um, attendance by who was there during the news quiz. That's how I took attendance. Like if you were not there doing the news quiz, you pretty much weren't there that day. Yeah. Um, so and I was I was very was very tough, very very tough. Very. It's like tough but fair though. You know, it's like fair. it's tough but for your own good. And, and, and the the funny thing about it is, is that you know I was I, I I can't prove this, but I'm pretty sure I was the youngest like faculty member at Howard, like yeah. by far. <laughs> like, and so you know a lot of my students before they had me, you know, probably followed me on Twitter, and so there was this you know kind of expectation that you know. I would be, you know, super laid back and class would be super easy and, you know, be, you know, and I come in first day and we have a news quiz. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. I came in first day and we have a news quiz. Um, and I, you know, I had very rigorous reporting standards, very rigorous reporting standards. Um, and, you know, my, most of my students thank me for it. You know, I was very fair and I was also very blunt about it. Like I was, I would tell them all the time, like, you know, the industry, even when I was coming in, looks different than the way the the way it is for you guys. I always tell them like, don't take unpaid internships. Like, you know, because that was the thing when I was in school was like, you know, just yeah. kind of get your foot in the door. I'm like, no, this is like your labor. And granted, yeah, it comes to a point where like all like you know, especially when you're trying to graduate, like students are going to have to take those unpaid internships. But I'm also like, I'll I'll frame it to them as like that's not right. I get that you may have to take it, but yeah. I'm saying 
like on their part, on the like hiring manager's part, that's not right. Especially if you're doing, you know, the same amount of work as somebody who's getting paid. Um, I would oh, yeah, exactly. them, you know, I would give them like, you know, how to negotiate, you know, their first jobs. Cause again, when I was, when I was in school, it was like, if you get a job, get you, if you get a job, take that job, not yeah. get a job. Here's how to like negotiate for, for more money. And again, I would be very honest with them, you know, in some cases, especially if you're going the local news route, you're not going to have the opportunity to negotiate. Yeah. I would tell them like, you know, if you're going the TV route, yeah, you probably don't start off in like Boise, Idaho. If you don't want to do that, that's, I want the, game, to that's the game. Yeah. You know, and I think I would be very like when I say so honest with them, because I wanted them to know what they were getting themselves into before they got themselves into it. Because, you know, for me, local news was never going to be like my thing. Like I knew yeah. I was like, I'm staying in DC and I'm probably staying on the East coast. Um, and so, and I was very fortunate to be able to do that. Like, you know, Boise, Idaho was not my life's mission. Um, but I'm very like, you know, just, I'm, I was just going to be completely honest with them. And so like, I had, you know, real talk, real life, real life conversation with them. Like some days I would come in and I would just like close the laptop, no news quiz. Listen, sometimes this industry is going to suck you dry, spit you out. It feels like it's going to kill you. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's going to kill you. Um, and you know, I, because I didn't want them to like go into, I didn't want them to go into, you know, these newsrooms, these offices, and it be a complete surprise. I didn't want, I, because I, whilst a lot of like the transition from college to the real world wasn't a surprise, some of it was. Some of yeah. it was a legit surprise, especially coming from a place like Howard, and so when I was like, okay, whatever game I can teach y'all before y'all go out here. So y'all ain't out here looking crazy. I will absolutely do that. And there's so many, there's so many things that you have to learn. Sometimes yeah. it's on the fly. Like, yeah, it doesn't, a lot of truthfully, 75% of it is stuff that you're going to have to learn there. And I would, I, I, and I still keep in touch with a lot of my students. I'm like, you know, like I'm telling you this, to tell you that it's not going to kick in until you're already like in that job. Right. But remember the thing that I'm telling you when it happens. Yeah. Like, a lot like, of that stuff is like, you're not going to like, it's not, it's not going to really kick in or it's, you know, it's not the context is not going to be there. And so it's actually happening. And so you're in that first job, you're in that first newsroom, you're in that first where, wherever. Um, and it happens. So, you know, yeah, like negotiating salaries or like learning how to salaries. network. Yeah, like, no, what you don't like, I had no clue. Like, <laughs> yeah, no clue. <laughs> yeah. I remember the news quizzes at the University of Maryland. I used to, I used to tank those, man. I'm sorry. I, I so, walk in. <laughs> it, it, was, it was hilarious. It was, it was hilarious um, because they, it got to the point where my students were trying to figure out where I was pulling the news quizzes from. <laughs> right. Like, what they are you were watching? Like, oh. they, well, they were like, oh, she's with the Washington Post. And so I just know she just pulls all of her quizzes from the Post. It's like, no, I, I was nah. pulling them from like the Post, the Times, CNN, the Journal. I was pulling them. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was actually pulling a lot of them from the Hilltop. So like, okay. y'all be reading campus news. So yeah. like, local news, it, it, it depended on the day. I had some stock questions in there, like stock questions. I would have yeah, failed. Like, I would have failed your class, bro. I would have failed. I would have failed your class. 
It wasn't that bad. It was, I, I will say, I think news quizzes counted for like 20% of their grade. And it's, it's important. News quizzes are important because it's like, you need to know what's going on, not yeah. just in your industry, because like your industry might be affected by something else, which exactly. means, which like, That's hey. really how I frame them. And yeah. I wanted them to like come into class being thoughtful and have something to discuss. And so the news quiz, that's, that was the best way to like, you know, not break the ice, but like have class discussion, even yeah. if everybody failed them. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, everything, anything political, I just like tanked. Yeah, so for me, when we did news quizzes, I, uh, my um, broadcast journalism professor used to do um, news quizzes like every other class. I'm trying to remember what the ones that I would always tank. I would always tank, not national news. I would always tank like Capitol Hill specifically. The White House, yeah. I always knew. Uh, also, I always ask on the news quizzes like where the president was currently. Oh, <laughs> the you should always know. You should always know where the president <laughs> of the United States is at any given time. Always. <laughs> so they would be like, "Uh, the White House." <laughs> no, he's giving a speech in like Fort Wayne, Indiana today. <laughs> you know, at the crib. You know, at the, the crib. That's the best answer. And that's what everybody would just be like, because you know, like there would be a good chance that he was at the White House. So they were just like the White House? Question mark? Nope. He's in LA. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> he thought he got home. He got chilling. He should. And then, then there was like Washington DC. <laughs> no PCs at Camp David. <laughs> Bruh. Oh my yeah, god. Man. So for working at Howard, you get this job at the Point Sky. The Point Sky is like a big travel website. So how how what was that the transition? What was the transition? How did how did Vicky Ventures help you get that job, if anything? Um, and what was your job at the points like before COVID-19 and what has it been afterwards? So the transition, so honestly, if anybody who talks to me, who like really talked to me like before, I would say December of 2018 would tell you that I was all in on teaching. I was about to go back to school and get my master's degree so I can like teach full time forever. Okay. Life happened. And when I say life happened, it was a good thing. It was a really good thing. So teaching, okay. I still say, is my favorite job ever. And it was like the most like rewarding thing that I've ever done. But I also realized that I was at the time 25. And so I and I got to the point where I realized like, so when I got into teaching, I got into teaching not because like I was just like, oh, I want to teach because somebody asked me if I want was I interested in teaching. And okay. I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like. Teaching sounds fun, but it was not something that I ever really looked at as like a career. And yeah. so, and I, I knew I wanted to be a travel writer. So what happened was two things happened. In January of 2019, I went to the New York Times Travel Show and I was meeting, you know, all these travel bloggers and like people in the travel space. And yeah. it kind of put the like fire in me, like, hmm, maybe you should be a travel writer full time and maybe you should move to New York. But I was still like, no, I love teaching. And I did, like, legit love teaching. Love teaching, love being a Howard, love, you know, paid summer vacation, like, excellent health insurance, like, all that, like, had in my own office, TAs and everything. It was great. Mm -hmm. um, then what happened 
we took the journalism students on a tour of New York. And it was really like a media tour. So we would go to like, went to the Times. We went to um, Gizmodo. We went to the Root Complex, um, places. And we were at Bloomberg. And so I don't know where it came. It came out of nowhere. Literally came out of nowhere. We were, st- I was standing in- with my students and we were like on, not the roof, but like their like cafeteria. And I was like looking out at the like skyline and it just came out of nowhere. I was like, I'm moving to New York. <laughs> yeah. Like, and just like, just like that. I was like, I'm moving to New York. And then we went to the Viacom office, standing by the window, looking out, the, out, out at the skyline. I'm like, yeah, I'm moving to New York. <laughs> like, hey, bros, rooftop views are elite. Yeah. Well, I was, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, am I really going to do this? And then I was like, damn, I'm moving to New York. Yeah. So I didn't tell anybody. I told like three people. So I started applying to jobs any travel job. And that was another thing. I was very specific in the jobs that I applied to. So people were, people were sending me jobs like, like, Hey, apply to like, you know, this like, you know, web producer job in New York. And I was like, no, I was like, I only want to do travel jobs because if I'm going to make this big move, it's going to be for what I want it, want it to be. Right. So um, I was applying to a couple of places before like TPG got on my radar um, and then as I was, I remember I got a rejection from a job that I was just about certain that I got. Yeah. It was also a good thing that I got that rejection, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. And then somebody sent me the link to um, uh, the fact that TPG was hiring for a bunch of jobs. And I was like, yo, this is like divine intervention. This was like, this is God telling me like apply. So right. I remember I spent like eight hours on my cover letter. It was like eight, eight, like I like when people ask me about like how to format their cover letters, I send them that to them as a reference. Um, it was the best thing I've ever written in my life. I've not <laughs> anything as good as that cover letter was. But I spent like so much time just like revamping and like not rebranding myself, but like really, you know, I wanted to like I wanted to when I wanted them when they looked at my application to not look at anybody else. I want them to interview anybody else. I was like, I want them to interview me and only me. That's real. (laughs) So like, um, lo and behold, I got, you know, the email back and, you know, did the calls, did the interview in New York. um, And then, you know, I got the job. So I remember when I decided I was moving to New York, that was in mid to late March of 2018. I gave myself until June 10th to find a job and move to New York. I got the offer like the end of May and I'm like signed and like moved by like May 31st. Oh, wow. That's, that was how quick it was. Um, because I was like, you know, I don't want to talk myself out of this. Cause like, it, and that was another thing. It's like, you know, I had to like tell Howard that I was leaving. Um, and you know, they were really sad and I had a really great time it was a really great opportunity and I also you know didn't close the door on them you know it was pretty much like you know I definitely want to teach again yeah you can definitely come back definitely come back but I you know I also you know had you know some very like frank conversations and I was just like you know what I'm never gonna have well I'm never gonna have this opportunity again I'm still very young in my career and this is the first time that I'm pursuing something in my career that like didn't either follow my lap or like, you know, was an opportunity, but something that I was 
you know, something I really, really wanted to do, something that I've wanted to do for years now. And everybody I spoke to, they were like, girl, go. (laughs) Everybody was like, everybody was like, you need to travel the world? Girl, please don't stay. (laughs) Like, please don't stay. Everybody was like, go. Um, Because at first I was like, I really don't want to leave. I love DC. I was like, I really didn't want to leave DC. That was the thing. I was like, I really didn't want to leave DC. Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't see myself leaving DC at all. Like I was like, even if I'm a travel writer, I was like, I didn't see myself leaving DC. But then yeah. it got to a point where I was like, you know what? Like, again, I'm young. I have this opportunity that like, you know, seemingly came out of nowhere. When am I going to have the opportunity to be young, have no real responsibilities, live in New York, a bunch of my friends were in New York. You were in New York. Like everybody was in New York. And I was just like, you know what? It's time. And I was just like, you know what? It's time. And packed up all my stuff, had a, a van, or had a, a truck and hopped on the Amtrak with me and Migo and moved to Brooklyn. And that's wow. kind of how it started. I was in DC and I held off on moving to New York for a year. I just didn't feel like I was ready. That's the thing. I didn't. It, it, so I had. I've had before this opportunity. I had two other opportunities to move to New York. And yeah. first opportunity, I definitely was not ready. I had seven hundred dollars in my bank account. I was not ready. It, it was a disaster. The second time I moved, I was planning on moving to New York. I still wasn't ready, but it was less financial and more like mentally, emotionally. There yeah. is a lot of emotional preparation that you have to do before you move to New York. Oh, and a so lot. Yeah. Time, I was like, okay, like all of the ducks are in order. I am as ready to move to New York as I'm ever going to be <laughs> ready to move to New York. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, okay, if not now, is I'm never going to go. Um, and you know, I I don't I don't you know I don't regret it. I still say DC is my end goal. Yeah. Like I plan to move back to DC at some point. Um, I don't know when. Maybe in my 30s. Um, because I do want to like buy a house in DC. But for now, like, I'm really where I'm supposed to be. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm content with that decision. To answer your second question, I mean, even, you know, COVID has changed a lot of things, especially in the travel landscape. Yeah. So, you know, I was, you know, taking a lot of trips, doing a lot of work trips, um, a lot of meetups with people. It's a new opportunity to, like, be thoughtful in my reporting. So now I'm doing a lot of... The COVID and travel beat, which is a really big beat, and it's a really important beat because there there is a COVID and travel story in everything, really. Like, and you know, like not even to get too political, like Senator Ted Cruz um, flew to Cancun last night, yeah, um, yeah, and already he's on his way back. That's a COVID and travel story. There are a lot of layers, and not even just the political layers. It's like the you know the CDC's recommendation that travelers, um, you know, get a negative COVID test if they're coming back into the U.S., no matter how long they've been out of the U.S. Um, it's the, you know, recommendation that travelers quarantine for seven days. Like, they, they're, when I say, like, and I tweet this often, I said there's a travel angle and everything. There is a travel angle and everything, and especially during COVID. And so it really gives me the opportunity to, like, contextualize um, a lot of, you know, mandates that are coming from the CDC, coming from the White House, coming from the DOT, different states with different requirements, entry requirements, 
testing yeah. requirements, different countries with testing requirements, countries that won't allow American citizens, countries that do allow American citizens. And also like, you know, people who are traveling and that's another thing. It's like people are going to travel regardless things that you need to know before you go to a country being mindful of like COVID restrictions, being mindful of wearing a mask and whatnot. And so, you know, obviously at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, my head was spinning because it was like, you know, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what do I do yeah. now? Like, what? <laughs> and then for me, it was like, I, I I don't even know how to, where to start and, you know, how to like cover this. Now it's, you know, there's as much clarity as, you know, I, I feel like I have now, but, you know, it's still a very big opportunity to like cover probably the biggest story of our generation um, and from a travel lens and from like a, you know, being very responsible and very thoughtful of, you know, the stories and the reporting that I'm doing. Yeah, it's like, because when everything started, I remember that you... <laughs> yeah, you would so you on your like when you would document all these things like I remember you were you would like take day trips to like you'd be like in Japan you'd like go to Japan and back in like the span of like 36 hours I spent 20 hours in Japan at one point I spent like 36 hours in Ecuador like I would do I did spend like 18 hours in Singapore I mean the last trip I got back when I got when I got back from Mexico City New York shut down like two days later that's yeah. how like quick everything happened. And this was before like when I went when I booked Mexico City and went to Mexico City, this was like when the like framing around coronavirus was like it's the flu. And yeah. so I was approaching it like, oh, it's you know, hindsight. Wash, it, wash your hands, you'll be good. Wash, it was literally wash your hands. This there, there there was no like there wasn't we weren't even talking about masks at that point or yeah. quarantine or anything like that. Yeah. And so, you know, again, hindsight is 2020 and we, you know, legit. I legit did not know what was to come. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in Mexico City just living it up. Had no clue. Had, yeah. had no clue. Got back to New York. We were in the office for two days. And then we got like the work from home order. And then New York shut down. And that's yeah. how like quickly it happened. But I mean, yeah, like, I mean, it was a it, it, it was rapid. But it also gave me a lot of time to like pivot how I was going to approach like this very new and scary world like you know yeah. it, it became very scary to be in public it became very scary to fly it became very scary to like stay in a hotel and touch things um and yet people were still you know for various reasons some leisure and some not for various reasons people yeah. still had to do all of those things and so i it, you know became my job to like you know contextualize these things and put them into proper context but um I know your next question is going to be like, you know, how was the transition between like, you know, somebody who's always on the road and like somebody who's in their house all the time? I was going, I was getting to that. Yeah. I know you were getting there. I get this question all the time. Yeah. Honestly, it ain't that bad. And I'm going to tell you why. I have always seen travel as very much a privilege. Okay. Uh, very much a privilege that only certain people have gotten to do. And like, you know, obviously, yeah, I would like to be somewhere else. <laughs> like, I would, I would love to be in Jamaica right now. Yeah, but you know, like I've, I'm honestly like fine. You know, like it has given me a lot of time to like sit with myself. I have oftentimes used travel as a way to like heal from things. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm sad, I'll book a trip to Rome. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, and you know, kind of like an eat, pray, love tour. Um, and this is really yeah. the opportunity to like, really like sit with my feelings and like feel <laughs> like, hmm. and not have anywhere to, anywhere to go. Um, it's, I've gotten the opportunity to really make a, like my, like apartment, my home. When I was, um, in my old apartment, I was gone all the time. I was either yeah. like traveling or I was, you know, I'd worked a lot. So I was like never at home. And so like, it was very like transitory. Now, you know, my apartment very, very much feels very homey and feels like a space that is like calming and relaxing and a space that, you know, granted, of course, I don't want to spend 24 hours a day here. I'm sick, sick of it as much as anybody else is. Right. But it's still very much a homey vibe, which is something that, you know, I hadn't, you know, had in a while. Um, and so, like, you know, honestly, it's not the end of the world for me, you know, not being able to travel. Like there, for me, there are much bigger fish to fly. Like I have not seen my family in two years. And I think that's the bigger thing, Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, you know, it is, it is what it is. I've done some staycations in New York. So, you know. Yeah. I think it's just, I think the big thing is like for here for, especially if you're quarantined or away from family or whatever, is that maximizing your time now, you know, yeah. like, I bought plants like a year ago. I would never have bought plants. Like this is like, who am I? Right. I was this not is... somebody super big into like home decor. Right. And I am so into like home decor. Like I pretty much re- like bought I have everything that's in my apartment other than the island that I work from, like that I'm sitting at right now in my bed. Everything else is brand new. Like yeah, because I was just like. I'm not doing anything else. (laughs) (laughs) What else am I going to do? Right. Um, But, you know, it's actually another really good thing. Because I have spent so much time at home, I have spent a lot of time exploring New York and exploring my neighborhood. Like when I was, you know, before COVID, I was, again, either always at work, always on the road or sleeping. And so, like, you know, I was rarely in my neighborhood and, you know, it's cold now, so not really now, but like, you know, before it got really cold, I was now, I was, I would do like, you know, just spend the whole day just walking the neighborhood, like, you know, grabbing something to eat and grabbing something to go, meeting a lot of my neighbors. Like I speak, you know, I, I'm somebody who speaks anyway. And, you know, regardless of the situation just this you know where I grew up and how I was raised but like you know really like speaking to my neighbors and having like real conversations with them now it's been a really like great experience you know obviously the circumstances are crap but like a really great experience to explore my neighborhood and like you know at a slower pace and not feel like I have to like rush and do anything or be anywhere um so that's what I, I spent like maybe two months really just like exploring like I would say within like a three mile radius of where I am. Um, Mm. And it's been great. And, you know, when it gets warmer, I definitely still want to do that, you know, hopefully outdoor dining. Um, Well, it is here to stay, but, you know, I'll be doing some, you know, outdoor dining situations. Um, So I'm looking forward to that. It's just so interesting how like the future of everything will be. Oh, most definitely. And what do you, what do you think the future of travel journalism will look like now. I mean, it's going to look a lot it's going to look a lot different if there's going to be a lot of big pushes and um understandably so on responsible travel um yeah. I've been a lot of the the stories that I've been working on now are 
around kind of what travel is going to look like post COVID. So um, countries will likely require um, vaccine passports to get into countries. So, you know, when you go to parts of West Africa, you need like a yellow fever card. And so it's very much like that, like a vaccine card or a digital health passport. Um, yeah, you know, airlines are require airlines are rolling out, not necessarily requiring, but rolling out like digital health passports. So I've been doing doing a lot of that. You know, how soon can you travel after being vaccinated? Um, those are, you know, kind of the questions that we're kicking over. And, you know, obviously with the new administration, uh, looking to see what, you know, DOT is going to do with regards to the travel industry, which has taken a major hit in particularly airlines have taken a major hit. So the airlines are, you know, uh, thinking forward about, you know, what travel is going to look like. Delta Airlines is now, you know, the only airline blocking middle seats. Alaska's blocking uh, some seats. Delta's playing, you know, the long game and thinking about the the types of travel that travelers are going to want. So travelers at this point are a little less concerned with like, you know, upgrades and like lounge access and more concerned about things like uh, not having a neighbor next to you on the plane and whatnot. And so those are the types of like, you know, stories and like questions and, you know, ideas that I've been kicking around, especially in the last like two months or so, Mm -hmm. uh, as I've gotten really into this like COVID and travel beat full time. But I think that's what the industry is going to look like. The travel journalism space is going to look like for a while. That's another thing. It's like a lot of people have not, not traveled since March. And so the landscape that they're going to find themselves is going to look markedly different than travel did in March. And yeah. so, you know, it's been kind of on me um, and something that I've been doing is to kind of put that into context. That's really good. It's been really interesting. Talk to the CDC. Like yeah, like CDC, like every like every week and stuff, just like yeah, like every week or so, you know, CDC, you know, DOT, like all the you know three big three letter agencies, which is you know something I you know hadn't really done before. So you know that's that's really cool to to do. Yeah. So let's pivot to uh, as far as I know, what what is it, and what are you trying to get out of it for like the for like the view listeners at home. As far as I know is our um, weekly um, Instagram live series with myself and my colleague, uh, Melanie Lieberman. And so basically we pick a topic um, in the news each week and really put it into context and explain what we do know and what we don't know. And so obviously, you know, some of it is a lot of, you know, based on our reporting from, you know, our sources and stuff like that. And a lot of it is like what we think, what the industry or, you know, what the topic could look like in the future. So um, we did um, vaccine passports and, you know, there's a lot that we do know about vaccine passports. They are coming. Um, IATA, which is the airline trade um, organization, is rolling out with a vaccine passport. Um, several airlines are rolling out with digital health passports where you like show your like your negative uh, COVID uh, status. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, things that we do know based on, you know, talking to our sources, talking to industry leaders, uh, digging into the data and, you know, what we don't know. Um, there's a lot about, there's a lot that we don't know about in terms of vaccine passports to, for an example, how it's going to be standardized throughout 
the rest of the world, you know, are, is there going to be one vaccine passport or are multiple countries going to have multiple vaccine passports? Um, and so that's really what the, um, as far as I know, series um, looks like. Um, it's been really fun. We get a lot of great, really great questions from our uh, listeners. Um, and so, you know, it, it's been really fun. This is, I think, the fourth or fifth week we've done it. Um, so I'm super excited for, you know, everything that's going to come out of it. And I think the last two questions I would have for you are what advice would you give to people trying to enter the travel journalism sphere? And what advice would you give to the journalism sphere in general? Oh, people trying to enter the industry. Yeah. For the travel journalism space, I think it's really important to like be mindful, especially if you're somebody who is brand new to this space, it's not approach travel as you would have approached it last February. The yeah. industry is so different now. And so the needs of travelers have changed. The priorities of travel companies like airlines, hotels, they have changed. Um, and, you know, just be thoughtful about the types of stories that you're covering, um, the types of voices that you're talking to. Um, I'm very, you know, some I'm somebody who's very, I, I don't want to just talk to white guys. Like, I, I really don't. Like, for every white guy, there are, like, far more capable and talented and, you know, just as capable women of color, Black women, yeah. men of color, people who are not white men. Um, yeah. And so, you know, just be mindful about, like, that that um, form of coverage. In terms of the journalism industry, I know Tyler Times, <laughs> Tyler Times and Julia would be like, <laughs> go to law school. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, you know, that's my that's my I didn't go to law school. But um, <laughs> seriously, though, it's it's much of the same thing, you know. Just being very thoughtful, you know. There are people. If COVID has done nothing, it has exposed like the deep. We knew this, but like for people who don't know, the deep, you know, yeah. lines of inequality, and it just keeps happening, and it keeps happening, and it keeps happening happening we see it in texas now like it just keeps happening um and so be mindful of you know again the people that you're talking to when you're doing these stories like be mindful that like people especially now people are hurting people are sad people are scared people are angry and people don't know like you know for a lot of people people don't know what they're going to get their next meal and so you know just be mindful be thoughtful be sensitive get the story but like not at the expense of like your soul that's very that's good advice that's very good advice well vicky thank you so much for joining me this was Anytime. a very good podcast i learned a lot learned a lot about learned Anytime. a lot about a lot of things man yeah, thank, man thank you so much for those of you if you guys are first time listeners to chilling with kofi feel free to leave a rating or review on apple Podcasts. you can also find this podcast on spotify and youtube and wherever else podcasts are found question mark this has been Chillin' with Kofi, and I thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time. Thank you. Bye.